115,320. By wondering what that number means. That is the average number of hours that an American will work over the course of their life in terms of going to the office or going to their job. 115,320 hours at work. Question is, what do we do in those hours? <laughs> and what does God have to say about those hours? I mean, honestly, if, if what we just sang is true, it means that God is indeed Lord over all creation, and that means even the times that we are at work. And so what does God have to say about that? That's really what we're going to be talking about throughout this series that we are calling The Gospel at Work. I think it is so fitting that on Labor Day weekend, we are beginning that series. Because we want to be reflecting together as people, what, if anything, does God have to say about how we use our time in the various jobs, occupations, vocations that we have? And so I think it's only right that before we begin this series, we allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds for the message that he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Lord God, we give you thanks that on this Labor Day weekend, you have called us together as a family of faith. And as we wrestle with, well, our labors, as we wrestle with our jobs and our vocations, Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom and insight, that you would help us to understand how your good news applies even there. And so, God, give us open hearts and minds to receive the message you have for us this morning. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I can actually remember the first time I ever thought about work. Which is kind of impressive, but, but, but I can remember the first time I, I actually thought about work. You see, what had happened was, as a, as a small child, uh, they had re-released Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in theaters. This was actually the very first theater experience that I can remember as well. And my parents took me to a matinee to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. First movie I, I ever saw, first animated f- uh, feature film. And I remember sitting there and, and, and watching as these, these seven guys, the dwarves, worked in their caves, right? And they're smiling the whole time. They're having a blast. They're bringing like jewels out of the rocks and gold. And and they seem like at the end of the day when it's hi-ho, hi-ho, it's home from work we go, they seem satisfied and happy. And likewise, there's Snow White and she's kind of cleaning the house. And and what does she sing? Whistle while you work. And all the animals are getting involved and helping her clean the house. And I remember at the end of that movie being like, man, work must be awesome. I cannot wait to get a job. My parents were just like, yes, that's right. We can't wait for you to get a job. And then I went on and I did what every kid does, right? I started thinking about, well, what am I going to be when I grow up? And the first thing that I wanted to be was I wanted to be a paleontologist. Because who doesn't love dinosaurs, right? And, and I knew all the names of the various dinosaurs, names that I can no longer pronounce, okay? But, but I, I loved this idea of digging up dinosaurs and dinosaur bones. But then I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I realized I don't want to be a paleontologist. I want to be an archaeologist because that looks like fun. That looks like a blast. Like, look at the adventures Indiana Jones gets to go on. Then I got a little bit older and I realized, okay, I can't be Indiana Jones, but, but, maybe, but I want to do something to serve my country. So maybe I'll be president of the United States. No, not that one. That one. I want to be pre- 
the commander in chief. I want to be serving my country. I want to be the president of the United States. And as I got a little bit older, I said, what I really like traveling internationally and learning about other cultures, but I still want to serve my country. And I always thought being a spy would be cool. So I thought maybe I could work for the CIA. <laughs> Hopefully you're realizing there's a pattern here. Really what I wanted to be when I grew up was Harrison Ford. <laughs> it's really what I wanted to be. But this is, what, this is what kids think, right? Like we, we think about like what are we going to be and, and all this stuff. And, and as a kid, I was thinking about all the various jobs that I was going to do. But then I, I became a teenager and I got my first job. I got my first job as a lifeguard. And I became this guy. <laughs> My dad can, can affirm that. He's like, true. He's like, I saw you doing that job. But, but see, this is, this is what we do as kids, though, right? You, you ask any kid, and they're thinking about what are they going to be when they grow up, right? And they have all these, like, grand plans for what they're going to be. I want to be an astronaut, or I want to be a teacher, or I want to be a scientist, or, or, or a doctor, or a lawyer. Or if you ask my son, he wants to be a pastor who goes to space but also races NASCAR. I don't know, like, how that's even going to happen, but it's, it, this is what kids do. We dream about the work that we're going to do someday. And I want to ask the question, where does that come from? I mean, because it's not like it's something that we train our kids to do. It's like our kids have this, this, uh, this uh, hardwired fascination with what they're going to be when they grow up, with the kinds of jobs that they're going to occupy. And I want to ask this morning, where does that come from? Because I think for many of us, when we look at our jobs, we're just, we no longer really have that fascination anymore, like work is work and rest is rest, and we love Labor Day weekend because we don't have to go to work. It's a day when we get that extra day off. But I think that there's something, there's something about this, this instinct that we have as young people that I think is worth recapturing as we start this series. Because I think what we see and what we saw in the passage that we read together this morning is that work is actually a gift. It's a gift that's given to us by God. In fact, what we see is we see that in the beginning, work was actually a very good thing. We read in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. You read on through the rest of Genesis 1, and it's this beautiful poem of God at work. He, he, we, we encounter God first in the midst of nothingness. There's only darkness. And God looks at all that and he speaks and suddenly by his speaking, the universe is created. And as he continues to speak, he forms and he shapes the universe in, in beautiful diversity and color and complexity and design. 
We encounter a God who delights, not just in making light, but making our world, not just the land and the sea, but plants and animals, ecosystems, with incredible and beautiful biodiversity. And it actually says that at the end of all of his labors, as as God leans back, he looks over all he's made and he says, it is very good. The reason that the Sabbath is a holy day is, is because it's a day in which God gets to sit back and enjoy what he's made. To sit back and delight in the work that he's done. And what I think is so amazing is then at the pinnacle of creation, it says that God makes us. It says that he formed human beings out of the dust of the ground. He breathed the spirit of life into their nostrils. It says in Genesis 1, he made us in his image, male and female. And what that means is that we, we bear within us some of those same desires to be creative and to work that were given to us by God. This is before anything went wrong. This is before the fall, before pain and death and, and, and sin entered into the world. At the very, very beginning, God is at work, and he invites people to be at work as well. I actually love what it says a little bit later on in Genesis chapter 2, that after he, he makes human beings, it says, The Lord God took the man, he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And then a little bit later on, the Lord God says, and it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And he makes woman. And the opening picture that we get of of human history is of a husband and a wife working side by side in this beautiful paradise that God has made. Side by side with their creator. It's this amazing picture of a loving family in paradise working the grounds together and loving every minute of it. I think we get foretastes of this when work goes really well. Get these little like echoes, right, of of what life is supposed to be when you spend a day at work and you know it was a productive day. You get to the end of your day and you are just so proud of what you've done. And when you go home, you have a smile on your face. You can sing like the seven dwarves, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's home from work we go. And when you walk in the door, you get to sit on your couch with a deep sigh of satisfaction and say, today was a good day. And what I want to say this morning is that when it comes to work and God's plans for work, this is it. This is God's original design for work. It's something that he gives to us as a gift. It's so hardwired into us that that it's a part of what it means to be a human being. Is that we are people who work. I love uh, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, what Tim Keller says about work. He says, work is as much a basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality. It's not simply medicine, but food for our soul. Without meaningful work, we sense significant inner loss and emptiness. People who are cut off from work because of physical or other reasons quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Work is a good thing that we require in the same way we require breath in our lungs and food on our table. The reason why is because it gives us a sense of purpose, but a more fundamental reason is it connects us to the one who made us. 
Work is something God delights in. And he made us in his image that we too might delight in it. But furthermore, I want us to look more closely at the kind of work that God does. Because when we're looking at Genesis 1 and we ask the question, what kind of work is God doing here? The simple one-sentence answer is God is bringing life. God is bringing life. That his plan for work is that work would be life-giving work. That it would be life-giving for us as we do it. That we would enjoy it and experience a sense of accomplishment when we do our work. Experience a sense of fulfillment, but more than that, that the work we do would be life-giving for others. That actually God's plan and his purposes are that the work that we would do would be side-by-side with him, bringing life into the world. It's part of the reason he tells the man and the woman, he says, go forth, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. that's, That's very basically talking about bringing life into the world. But then when he places them in the garden, he says, I want you to take care of it and tend it. He's also talking about bringing life, of taking the raw materials of this beautiful world God has made and fashioning them alongside our creator in ways that bring more abundance, more life. It's very different from kind of our perspective of work today. This perspective of work which is more focused on doing works for the sake of consumption. What can we produce so that we can consume it? How can I work so that I can get paid, so that I can have more things for myself? But at the beginning, that wasn't God's plan. His whole vision was that we would participate alongside him in life-giving work that is life-giving to us and blesses others And what that means is that regardless of whether you are a farmer or a teacher or a student, someone who cleans floors or builds houses, a stay-at-home mom, or a person who manages stock options, in each of these spheres, God says, I desire that you would work in a way that brings you life and gives life to others. Can you imagine how different the world would be if for a moment we walked into our workspaces with the mentality, how can I bring life to someone else today? Either in what I do or in what I produce or in who I interact with and how we serve alongside one another. See, God desires that our workspaces become places of partnering with him in bringing life into our community, life into our cities, life into our country, life into our world. Life-giving work. So the question is, so what went wrong? Because for many of us, when we think about our workers, like, it does not feel life-giving. Not right now. It feels exhausting. It feels stressful. It feels hard. And I don't enjoy it. Well, we're really going to get into that next week, okay? Honestly, all of next week is going to be about what went wrong. But for the sake of this morning, I think one of the things that went wrong is that we've forgotten this. We've forgotten the purposes for work. We enter into our workspaces thinking that this is simply about making money. Or it's simply about putting food on the table. Or we enter our workspaces simply to get enjoyment for ourselves. And so if our work isn't enjoyable, then we just leave our jobs and we find another one. And we bounce from career to career to career, never really being truly satisfied. 
You see, but in all of this, who's the focus of our work? Well, it's us. We put ourselves at the center of our work. Rather than realizing that work is a gift given to us so that we might give it away and bless others. So I think one of the things that's gone wrong, and like I said, we're going to go much more in depth next week about what went wrong, but one of the things that went wrong is that we've lost our focus. We've lost sight of the purpose for which God gives work to us. The purpose for which he calls us to work. That it's supposed to be about abundance and blessing, about life and life giving. So how do we recapture that? In what ways does God work to help restore what we've lost? I find it fascinating that when Jesus talks a little bit about his mission, he says this in John chapter 5, verse 17. He says, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus says, well, the way that God restores our perspective is by continuing to work. He says, and that's actually what I'm doing. I'm, I'm in the world doing his work. But what's really interesting about this passage is the context in which Jesus says this. If you actually look back a little bit earlier on in chapter 5, what you see is that Jesus has gone to a place called Bethesda. This is a pool just outside of uh, Jerusalem. And it was a place where many uh, people who were uh, crippled would go in the hopes that they would be healed. You see, there was a legend, uh, a Jewish legend in Jesus' day, that uh, an angel would come down and stir these waters. And uh, the moment the angel stirred the waters, if you were the first person in the waters, you, you would be healed of whatever your infirmity is, especially if you were paralyzed. Uh, if uh, one of your limbs isn't working, you're not able to walk. And so they're all, or, or, um, or you had some sort of ailment. And people would wait, and they would wait, and they would wait uh, until the waters were and then they'd all just kind of mad rush into the pool in the hopes that somebody gets healed. And Jesus is there and he sees a man who's, who's lame, who's not actually uh, able to walk at all. And, and he's sitting there and Jesus comes up and he asks him, he says, hey, so do you want to get well? And he says, sir, I have no one help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once this man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. You see what Jesus is doing? Is his work is entering into the world and restoring life. That's the first thing that he does. He restores life. He enters in and wherever Jesus goes, he's restoring life. See, I think that, one, that we sometimes miss that when we read the miracles of Jesus. We read those miracles in kind of a superficial way. We think that, oh, well, Jesus is just doing these miracles to prove that he's God. And that's not the reason he's doing that. Yes, certainly they do prove that he's God. But what's fascinating about all of his miracles is his miracles are restoring things to the way they were supposed to be. So that when he encounters a person who is lame from birth or a person who is lame due to an injury, he reaches down and he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk and they can walk. That when he encounters somebody who is blind and cannot see, he comes over and places his hands upon them and opens their eyes. That when he sees someone who is possessed by the demonic and oppressed by evil, he casts out the demon and sets them free. That when he's in a boat with his disciples and a natural disaster is about to destroy them, he gets up and says to the wind and the waves, be still. And creation itself is called. 
Jesus enters into this world and the work that he is all about doing is restoring life. That's his work. But what's so fascinating about this is that he gets in trouble for doing it. Because right after this, guess who finds this guy walking around with his mat? The Pharisees. And you see, Jesus had performed this miracle on a Sabbath, a day when you weren't supposed to do any work, according to the law. And so they start interrogating their guy. They're just like, hey, it's illegal for you to be carrying a mat. What's wrong with you? And he basically says, well, hey, I was lame, and this guy came along, and he told me to get up and pick up my mat, and I was able to. I was able to get up and walk. And they're like, who did this? Who told you you could do that? And he says, well, well, Jesus. So later on, the Pharisees go to Jesus, and they're just like, what are you doing? This is a day when no one's supposed to work. And this guy is working. Did you tell him to do that? And here's Jesus' response. Love this. You just heard it a moment ago. My father is always at his work to this very day, and that's why I'm working. Basically, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, you Pharisees, you've got work all wrong. You see work as a curse that we need to be rescued from once a day. You see work as something that we need to resist, something that actually gets in the way of our relationship with God. And so you've enshrined all these laws around work to keep people from doing work, and you've never actually asked the question, what is the purpose for work? What is the reason my father gives work? Because I'll tell you something, I'm about doing what he calls me to do. I'm doing the kind of work that he desires in this world. I am restoring life. And I think too often when it comes to work, we are like Pharisees. See, work is a curse something that gets in the way of our relationship with God, and and we run from it. We actually end up resting from our work. We work and we work and we work until we drop and we say, that's it, I've had it! And we either quit or we run off on crazy vacations, and we spend like two weeks like doing everything, and then we come back and we're just like, oh, I'm so tired, I need a vacation for my vacation. We don't really know what work and rest is all about. We don't know what it means to live in rhythm with life. Because the very first picture that we get in creation is not a God who rests uh, from his work, but but works from a place of rest. Did you notice in the pattern of the days, where does the day start? It says, does it say morning and evening, day one? No, it says evening and morning, day one. What do you do at night in the ancient world? You sleep. Each day with God begins from a place of rest. It's out of resting that he then produces life. And then when he's produced life, he rests once more. God has this beautiful rhythm of life that moves and swings between these places of work and rest in a kind of beautiful pattern, a beautiful rhythm, a life-giving pattern. And Jesus says, that's what I am all about. That's the real purpose of the Sabbath place of rest from which our work flows, a place we return to when our work feels overwhelming, something that we do in rhythm with God, the God who made us, the God who loves to work by bringing life into our world. And if nothing else for this morning, if we get nothing else out of this message, it's simply this, Jesus desires to restore that perspective to us to help us realize that he came into this world to rescue us came into this world to heal us, came into this world to restore us to the way that we were supposed to always be, living in rhythm with God, in rhythm with life. Being a people who really understand the purpose behind work, 
so that rather than being crushed by it or overwhelmed by it, we delight in it. We see it as a sphere in which we can serve, in which we can serve alongside, to bring, uh, alongside God to bring life into his world. And so over the next several weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about what went wrong. We're going to be talking about, in Jesus, how things are made right. And we're going to learn the truth of these words that come to us from 1 Corinthians 15. In the Lord, your labor is not in vain. My encouragement to you is to join us as we take a closer look at God's plans for work. Because what we're going to see together is the good news, the gospel that he has about it. But this morning, I just want us to rest. To rest by being reminded of the purposes for which work is given. To, be, to give life to us and so that we might give life to others. And to that end, I want to start this series off by praying together. Lord, we delight in the fact that you are a God who works to bring life into our world. We delight in the fact that you, Jesus, came to restore that life. That when we were living and turning work into something that it was never supposed to be, turning it into this oppressive way of measuring ourselves and measuring others, Lord, you came back in and you said, no, that's not what this is all about. And you healed us. You restored us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us, over these next several weeks, your perspective that we could enter into our works with joy. Knowing that, that, that work is a gift given to us that we might have life. Given to us that we might give life to others. And Lord, may we indeed learn the meaning of that verse that when we work with you, our labor is not in vain. May we be about your work in the world. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen.